You're listening to The Drew Marshall Show. And now, here's Drew and his trusty sidekick, Keith, my pathy white butt. All right, folks, we're back. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. We're streaming live at drewmarshall.ca, and there's a whole bunch of other ways you can listen to. Simon Donato, he's the host of television's Boundless, author of a uh, new book called The Boundless Life, 13 Lessons Learned the Hard Way. Filming the hit television series Boundless, Simon Donato has raced thousands of human-powered kilometers or kilometers across <laughs> the globe, from the frigid tundra of Iceland to the searing heat of the Sahara uh, journeys that strip away the regular trappings of life and pit us against ourselves and the natural world. There are no modern conveniences to lean on as crutches, and every meter gained is earned through both physical and mental effort. In other words, I would have failed. In his <laughs> compelling first book, Simon details the quest for adventure and the opportunities to test ourselves in very primal ways, in ways that we aren't able to in our lives uh, very much anymore. We just can't. We just can't do it anymore. Describing the key moments and adventures that put him on the path to boundless, Simon takes you on an adventure-filled journey around the globe and shows you how you can apply uh, his lessons and experience to your everyday life. He's on the line with us right now, Mr. Simon Donato. Simon, and where are you at this particular point in your life? Hey, Drew. Uh, at this particular point in my life, I'm uh, on the family farm in Sheenboro, Quebec, which is across the river from Petawawa, across the Ottawa River, and uh, about an hour 45 outside of Ottawa. So pretty remote, but a very beautiful spot. And the sap is flowing, so it's maple syrup season. Wow. That's very similar to our show. The sap is flowing here yeah, as well. That's me. Yeah. I'm the sap. <laughs> I have friends out that way. Eganville. Oh, yeah, Eganville. Yeah, I drove through it yesterday. Tim, can you not talk to, Sorry. Our, to talk to our guest, please? I thought the interview was boundless, so I could participate. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> hey, Simon, I really kind of actually want to get into uh, Stoked Oats, first of all. Stoked Oats at your company. And what I want to know is, did you end up actually doing a deal with the guy from Dragon's Den that looks like Jeremy Roenick? <laughs> Jeremy Roenick and I, uh, we didn't strike an official deal uh, after the Dragon's Den meeting and his initial offer. Uh, there's a lot that happens behind the scenes and uh, we traded emails for pl- close to a year uh, back and forth with uh, company data and I think he was uh, facing some interesting financial times for him with his company and it just uh, didn't materialize initially. So. We talked uh, for a bit, it stopped, and then we actually got a call out of the blue a few months later just before the Dragon's Den uh, deal or the Dragon's Den episode came onto television. And at that point, um, you know, we were just full speed ahead with the other things, so it never actually happened. Well, I'm crushed. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, you'll still be able to find your oatmeal, though. We're, okay. in, uh, we're in Loblaws, Bulk Barn, we're around. You're everywhere. Hey, you're kind of a runner dude, are you not, Mr. Long-Distance Ethiopian guy? I am, yes. That's uh, that's what defined me for a lot of years. Um, and uh, so, did yeah, you did you go to subject of the book? Did you go to Ed Whitlock's funeral? No, I did not. But 
that was uh, it was a surprise. But I mean, there's been a lot of research looking at longevity in sport, and what's interesting is the fit, healthy people. You know, they do well for a long time and then just drop off precipitously versus unhealthy people who kind of trickle away over over time. And uh, Ed was definitely that uh, instance. He was what was he like eighty six? I think that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Um. I was just down at the the coffee shop around the corner from us called Bean There Cafe here in uh, Oakville, Ontario. And okay, beautiful spot, I'm sure. Yes, it is. And uh, the guy that uh, runs the place there, Brett, is uh, Mr. Runner Runner Dude himself. As a matter of fact, I think he's done. Has he maybe done the Ironman, or is that what everyone says? I think they... I think he has done it. Really? Well, he runs marathons <laughs> like they're nothing. So. No, but I think people just go. You know, oh, he's a long distance runner. He's done the Ironman. Like. Not everyone gets to do the Ironman. You've got to seriously qualify for oh, yeah. that, do you not, Simon? Uh, well, the Ironman Championship in Hawaii, now there's a large series that you can just jump into uh, if you pay the entry fee. So, right. yeah, to make it to the World Championships, which are uh, in Hawaii every year, yeah, you've got to be pretty damn fit for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a mutual friend. Uh, whose name will we go? Will go nameless. Okay. Who will remain nameless? But you and I know someone who did the Hawaiian Ironman thing, and in order for him, he 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 was worried about defecating in the middle of the race. Ooh, yes. So we used a thing, uh, some substance called colon blow, to clean out <laughs> clean oh. out everything. And I laughed my face. But this is true, is it not, uh, Simon? You got to make sure the pipes are clean before you do something like that. You know, I I never really get that because. It just you can always stop. I mean, unless you're in it for the money and the guys who win that race. I mean, the pros who win that race. Yeah, they're in it for a hundred thousand plus dollars. So maybe that's uh, something you're willing to risk. But for the rest of us who compete as age groupers, even if we are fast, I mean, come on, you can always find a portalette yeah. uh, somewhere along the race course. So some of that stuff just seems a little bit extreme to me. I mean, I've raced all over the world in all sorts of conditions, and I've yet to uh, go to the bathroom in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is just weird. Okay, the, the runs when you're running. I want to talk about the, yeah. the Sports Illustrated cover from back in the day with Roberto Duran, and the headline was "No Moss." And the reason he gave up against Sugar Ray Leonard and called the fight was because he was trying to cut his weight down, and he cut it a little close to getting to being on diuretics. Really? And when right. he got when he took a shot to the gut, he did fill his shorts. We just really? thought, just thought I'd bring that story up nice. right now. Yeah, there we go. Well, I can't say I've ever been punched while I've been running, so uh, maybe that's why. <laughs> All right, good. All right, so listen, Mr. Crazy Adventure Guy and almost dying and hurting yourself on television guy, why are you doing this? Why? Uh, initially, I just wanted to challenge myself. I always enjoyed being outside, and um, hiking and exploring was a great way to see unique and beautiful places outdoors. And... It's you walk and then you run, and that's what happened with me. I hated running when I was younger. I thought a couple laps around the soccer or football field before practice was torture. Uh, so, you know, my my teenage self would never have imagined that I would uh, grow up to be an ultra distance runner. But it was just, it was really when I moved to Calgary. I, I got a job after um, grad school. I, I did a geology PhD at McMaster University in Hamilton and then got hired uh, straight out of school by Imperial Oil headquartered in Calgary. So all of a sudden I'm uh, 45 to an hour from the mountains and my weekends now spent uh, hiking with friends and family. And then, you know, sometimes I go out on my own, but oh, you got to be back by five o'clock, but you want to do an ambitious hike. So maybe you hike up, but then you run down 
And that's literally how uh, I, I dove back into the big distance or dove into the big distances through hiking. Um, I just finished uh, uh, my own big long trek, although it wasn't a race. No. As a matter of fact, I think I went slower than everybody else. You're you racing against yourself. I did the. I walked the Camino de Santiago's, <laughs> so I ended up walking a thousand kilometers. Oh, incredible! It's um, huge. Yeah, but it wasn't racy. Everything you do is racy. Why you got to be so racy? <laughs> youth. I'll play the youth card. <laughs> oh, I think he just threw me under the geriatric bus right there. Oh, no, man. I, you know, it's, you just, you, you get an appetite for it. Uh, I, I've been racing for a long time and I always enjoyed the competition, but I really like team sports. So, uh, in high school, it was, it was all based around team sports and university, more team sports, but as I got a little bit older, people stopped wanting to train as hard and work as hard to succeed as a team. So I found myself a little bit of an outlier. I still wanted to work hard and push myself. So that's how I fell more in the endurance sports. And then I came across uh, adventure racing, which is think of uh, a multi-sport race like a triathlon, except you're navigating and it's off-road. And it just kind of combined all the elements that I like, plus you raced as a team. So for me, it was endurance sports and really long distances, but it was also a team. So there was camaraderie. There were a lot of laughs and jokes along the way, and we got to see amazing places. So pushing yourself uh, was was just kind of the means to the end. Yeah. And uh, the end was getting out there to explore and experience. But along the way, you learn a lot about yourself, and you, you learn about uh, perceived limits and that you can rise above and, and uh, obtain more than you ever thought possible. And it really is addictive at a certain level. Uh, the Boundless Life by Simon Donato, 13 Lessons Learned the Hard Way. You open the inside of the book and there's a little inside flap that says, 43 countries, nine broken bones, zero regrets, always push forward. Um, I really want to hear your best broken bone story. Oh, best broken bone story. <laughs> um there's been a few doozies. Most were in my younger years. The more recent broken bone stories were, well, I tried barefoot running once. Uh, I thought I was going to be, when, when Born to Run came out by Christopher McDougall, it was a pivotal, pivotal, pivotal book in the running world. And I wanted to give it a try, except I was living in the Canadian Rockies at the time. I was about seven or eight kilometers out with a good buddy of mine named Jeff Hoffner, an excellent runner from Calgary. And I snagged I was running in the Vibram Five Fingers at the time, and I snagged my pinky toe on a rock and just snapped it and then had to run back on it. So run hobble back on it. So that was uncomfortable. Um, broke some ribs uh, in an interesting fashion when I was younger. It, it snowed a lot. I grew up in London, Ontario. That's where our family house is. And I decided to help the family out by shoveling snow off the roof. But I didn't understand that uh, the more snow I threw into a pile – into which I was going to jump afterwards, the more it, uh, it got impacted. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I learned that one the hard way. So that resulted in the three broken ribs after doing a swan dive. Oh man. This, this sounds like something off of jackass. So this is brilliant. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. Most, most have been around cameras, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. okay. So, uh, when it comes to, Oh, actually first, can I just talk to you about Gore-Tex for a second? I, uh, are they one of your sponsors, or can we talk honestly about Gore-Tex? We can talk honestly about it, uh, yeah. Okay. 
Because my experience with Gore-Tex was walking 10 hours in torrential rain, and Gore-Tex didn't do jack. Really? Yeah, I was soaked from head to toe through it all. As a matter of fact, I bent over to, to take off my hiking boots and empty them out of water, which Ooh. are supposed to be protected by Gore-Tex. And um, the pockets of my Gore-Tex jacket filled up with water. I didn't know that. And I leaned over, and all this water poured out all over the floor. <laughs> thought he was pregnant. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Here come the twins. Well, it was... Yeah, so how old was your Gore-Tex? Brand new. I would have taken it back. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's Gore-Tex and all these membranes work well if you're not out there all day getting blasted by it because it is a membrane, so it's meant to breathe as well. So yeah. I mean, microscopic size pores are supposed to allow for one-way ventilation, but... I mean, walking uh, the trail, you're going to perspire inside of it as well because it doesn't breathe so well. And, yeah, it's it's tough. And it's a really rainy day. I, if it's an hour or so, I can usually get away with, a, with my Merrill uh, Gore-Tex or Shell or whatever. But yeah. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I just expect to get wet. And okay. then, you know, sometimes you don't even wear a jacket. Yeah. Well, if it was warmer, I would have gone naked. It just would have been easier. So. You know, Sounds more with the theme, right? Yeah. Pilgrimage. So, so thank God for the cold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jerry, do women know about... Never mind. Um, okay, so let's talk about training for all of this yes. stuff that you do. Uh, training and, and uh, physically, mentally, um, obviously that's a big part of what you do. But look, I don't know what you know about my show, but we talk about spiritual things here. And I guess I've got yes. my questions to you are like... How are you impacted by doing what you do spiritually? I would imagine if I was doing what you would, what you've been doing, and being out in the wilderness, in the desert, in the mountains, and doing all this stuff in nature, there would be a part of me that would, that would wonder about design and purpose and creation, and 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 have a great reverence for creation. Like my reverence for, uh, wow, my reverence for creation would go up. Um, and then right. I w- and then I would wonder, is there a creator? What what happens to you in your world? Like I know you're not, you know, Mister Mister. You know, I, well, I don't know this. I'm going to say I don't think you're Mister Religious guy. But what happens to you in creation? Well, that's an interesting question, and it is something we talked about quite a lot during Boundless. Because I mean, my background is just more scientific. I I do things in a very linear fashion. I think in a certain way, and uh, some omnipotent being that I've never been able to see or, or not even necessarily feel. I mean, that's a different uh, experience, but I, I, I kind of lean towards more of a scientific fact and proof. And um, But spirituality for me is something that's very different, but it is very important. And I mean, Turbo, uh, my co-host for the first two seasons, he's a very spiritual guy. And, you know, if he were to have to pick a religion, he's always said it would be Buddhism. But um, where that all resonates with me is, you know, when I was training and living in the mountains, we would call it going to church every Sunday when you get out for your big Sunday mountain run. That's what I'm saying. Because it just, it takes your breath away. And, you know, I, because I did a, my schooling and master's and PhD in geology, I kind of think in geologic terms of continental plates and ocean plates smashing together and either spewing lava or just building themselves up and doing things like that. But uh, I can't help but marvel at uh, the world we live in and how fortunate we are and how, um, you know, different environments produce different geologic formations or vegetation patterns, uh, different animals. I mean, like getting outside and experiencing that for me just gives me 
uh, the calmness and clarity that I need and, and belief, I guess, um, to get through the day to day, knowing that there is something bigger and better out there than each and every one of us. And, you know, that that's pretty much what I work for now. I, I want to give back as much as I can to the planet. Um, all right. Let's talk about uh, death, because you've had some close encounters with that. Um, would you say you've ever actually legitimately come close to death? <laughs> the closest I've come to death is probably driving my car, <laughs> which <laughs> never makes it in there. Um, but, but have you ever have you ever come close to drowning? I don't think there's an there, extra, there's extra been, D in there, but yeah. That, that's okay. <laughs> there's been a few moments. Most of them have been on the water. Um, the One of the earlier adventure races I did, I, I think it was in two, or 1999, uh, God, where was it? North Channel around Sudbury area. But we got out. The morning was fine, but a storm blew in, and the North Channel, just north of Manitoulin Island, turned uh, into you know twelve foot breaking waves, and it was brutal. Sounds and, like a Gordon Lightfoot song. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's the one that uh, ships go down in. But uh, we we were lucky, and the, the problem was that we had already been racing for four or five days, and the navigator was in my boat, Ryan Kennedy, and he was fast asleep in the front. So, you know, I'm doing my damnedest to keep us afloat. And uh, yeah, I, I thought there could be some moments there where it was all going to end. Because if we capsized, there's no rescue. The water was fairly cold and just getting battered by big waves. Who knows? So it was an unnerving experience for sure. Um, we did some cave exploration in Madagascar uh, a couple of years ago. And, I mean, we were pretty much as far off the grid as you can get. Uh, that Well, that was also the same trip where we ran out of water at, on the very first uh, ex- excursion out when myself and two others were just surveying a line to see if the project would even work and had to get rescued by the military two days later. So there's been some close calls that, you know, if they'd gone on a little bit longer, I think we would have been in some real trouble. But uh, I haven't, uh, thankfully, haven't been really up against it yet. Well, uh, the reason I bring this up, of course, is, you know, I think when people have these um, close calls in life, it does make them wonder about what's after life, what's after death. Like, what you know, is there something more? And and I bring this right. up because I was I do the like the auction thing for the March of Dimes uh, gala in Toronto every year. And uh, mm-hmm. last year, the speaker was, ah, crap, Aaron Ralston, I think is his name. Is that the, the 127 Hours guy? Yeah, the guy that had to cut his arm off when he got it stuck in between two rocks. He's out in the middle of nowhere. Do you remember that story? Right. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, and that was a question for him, you know. That, like, and he does. There's a there's a whole when you're when you're having to hack your own arm off to survive, and you've been stuck there for a long time, and you're facing the reality of your mortality. There is something inside, I think, of all of us that does wonder if there's more, and so that's why I wanted to the ask you. Atheists, no atheists, and foxhole, fox yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, it's an interesting question for sure, and I just I just can't recall having those moments what, what I really recall from the experiences where you know it's been fairly close or at least been very serious is that I just come out of it wanting to do more to, to be better to love harder all of those things um, kind of make the most of each day uh, as opposed to okay well I, I don't have to change anything now if I get out of this but you know I certainly hope there was an afterlife and I, I guess that's where I am I, I really it just reminds me and focuses me. And that's that's what the adventures do too because there's 
there's life and death moments in every adventure. I mean, a, a lot of the mountaineering stuff that we do, uh, especially in the Canadian Rockies, my friends and I, the, the rock up there is terrible. So if you grab the wrong piece, you're going to fall halfway down the mountain because it's going to break away on you. It's got nothing to do with skill level or even bad weather. So in that sense, maybe that's the riskiest thing that I've ever done, just gone and played in the mountains on with some bad rock. I mean, I know a lot of friends who have been hurt by that. Sure. Some bad rock. Sounds like Coldplay. Um, <laughs> Yellow. Uh, where I want to go with this is uh, is free climbing. We talked about this earlier mm-hmm. because right. we had a rapper on our show, and we were talking about freestyle rapping and how you're out there freestyling and you got no rope, and it's like free climbing, except the death is a little different. You're dying on stage or you're dying. And so with you, right. you're, you're a climber dude as well. Have you ever done the free climbing? That is actually mostly what I do outside, not – at the Alex Honnold, who is, you know, he is the best free soloist in the world. But well, yeah, he is—he's the best do. now because the other best just died like a year ago. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a dangerous pursuit, but you know, we always say we try and mitigate risk as best as possible, um, prepare for the conditions. But you know, like I said, if the rock gives way that day. You're done. Yeah, so you, yeah, you'd be done. I want like a sermon. I want to introduce you to Tim yeah. the Tool, uh, the engineer here in yes, the studio. Sir. Who, uh, unfortunately, hey, Tim. unfortunately hey, he's got a microphone. Tim, yes. you actually want to say Simon? Two things. One, AB Lucas, go. Um, who? AB Lucas. It's a high school in London where my wife went. I just making a London reference. Um, don't, yeah. Don't yeah. try to suck up to the guests. It's okay. I already did the Eganville thing. Okay. Um, what is <laughs> what is I guess that that one place, I mean, you've been in nature, it says all these countries you've been to, where's that one place that like has totally blown your mind, like your pinnacle sort of outdoor The shower. (laughs) What is like the one place you can think of that you've been to that completely blew your mind? Um, I'm a massive fan of deserts, and I have to say a lot of spots in Utah, Zion in particular, I mean... That's like an outdoor church, if you will. It's a very, very spiritual spot. It's very powerful. You feel something special when you're there. Um, and, you know, I've spent a lot of time in uh, Oman as well. And just being in an isolated area, nobody around, sand dunes for as far as the eye can see. And then when the sun sets, and the same is true in, in Zion, you know, you've got these colors that just pop out of the rock or the sand. And, you know, it's just it's it's like they're alive. It's like, and that's very special. It's interesting because it's like it's almost like it's nothingness that you prefer. Like for me, it's always been like the Rocky Mountains. Like it's just there's so much to see, but it's almost like there's nothing around you in the desert. Is that what draws you? Or I think it is. It, you know, we're surrounded by people and sounds and noises and machines and everything else almost every day of our lives. But just being in a place like that where you are totally disconnected from it all you look around into the vastness and you realize you know how small we are as individuals in the big scheme of things and on this massive planet in the universe uh i I like that feeling so nothingness is what attracts him and that's why he's on the drew marshall show today (laughs) that's why i work um well let's just finish with something i want to see if wikipedia is right here we go. 2010, ladies and gentlemen. No, let's start with 2012. 2012 placed first and set a course record in the Iron Legs 50 miler and relay two man team. True story? True story. Myself and uh, my buddy Phil Villeneuve. We don't care about him. Second place in the 250 kilometer Sahara race. 
first place in the Fire and Ice Ultra Marathon in Iceland, uh, led by James Taylor. Oh, no, it's Fire and Rain, isn't it? Never mind. Yes, fire and um, Ice is uh, what? Game of Thrones. Okay. Sixth place in the ancient, I don't even know how to say that word. Is it Comer? Kamir. Kamir. Oh, Kamir. That's how you say Kamir? Okay. Or that's how you spell it. Um, Path Ultra Stage Race, 230 kilometers. 12th place in the six hours of Frog Hollow MTB Enduro Bike Race. Uh, In 2011, first place in the K100 Relay Co-Ed. So I would hope you would place first i almost got i was going to go to the sexism thing love good thing you didn't mention beat it, the yeah. women yeah but, I, but I didn't no, it, was, do that. it was a mixed it was a mixed team men and women oh okay so we had some very very fast women on our team too that year oh fast women i've been told to stay away from them uh first place <laughs> in the wild hair 50 miler second place in the iron legs 50 miler but ladies and gentlemen this is the moment i'm the most proud of in the copper canyon 50 miler he came in 43rd <laughs> <laughs> yep, that is the one that started it all. Why? Because that was my first first ultra race, and I uh, cratered big time and learned a lot about racing and myself there. So I'm proud of that one. <laughs> There's so many interesting names. There's the Canadian Death Race. Yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. where you apologize as you die? Yeah, that's led by <laughs> Kathleen Wynne. Okay. Yeah. First place in the Cactus Rose 50 miler and third place in the 25 kilometer Rocky Raccoon race. <laughs> that was a fun one. What happens in that one? You just run around a lake uh, a little bit north of Houston, Texas. <laughs> that's, my, that's my raccoon. Uh, uh, anyway. I, I appreciate the way you do TV. I appreciate the way you've poured your guts out into this book. You're you're a pretty real dude. I think that's probably a, a word people use a lot with you. As a matter of fact, I watched a video where you commented on people commenting on you, uh, your commenters. Oh. <laughs> and uh, it was cool. I just love the way you guys handled it. So good job, man. Oh, the, thank you. Uh, the book is called The Boundless Life. Simon Donato, 13 Lessons Learned the Hard Way. Watch the show. Get the book. Uh, follow this guy because um, uh, he's... You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say he's the real deal. Can you believe I was just about to say say that? Don't say it. Don't say it. Okay, not going to do it. Uh, Simon, thank you. I appreciate your time joining us here on the Drew Marshall Show. It was good to chat with you, man. Well, likewise. Thank you for having me. It was was a lot of fun and uh, great questions. Enjoyed it. All right, dude. You take care. You as well. Have a great day, guys. Bye. Bye, Bye. Simon. Follow him on Twitter, Adventure Simon. That's where you go. Adventure Simon. Rocky Raccoon. Short break, as we like to do. <laughs> Turn up. Ooh, we worked in the Bible there. Good job. When we come back, Andy Kindler, my favorite Jew. Stay with us. With a gun to shoot off the legs of his rival.